0: Women have always been a force for peace, but their contributions have mostly remained unrecognized and unsupported. The UN Security Council Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace and Security set out to change that. Nearly 20 years after its adoption, where are we now? What is the future of Women, Peace and Security? Hi, and welcome to a podcast by the Global Network of Women Peace Builders. My name is Lena, and I'm the Peacebuilding Communications Intern at GNWP.
1: Hi, my name is Wevin and I'm the Korawai Peacebuilding Fellow at GNWP. Today's podcast is in honor of World Refugee Day, day June 20th. We will be sitting down to interview a young refugee woman from South Sudan named Ibalu Pamela.
0: Hi Ibalu, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, If we could just start by getting a bit of an introduction from you, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, where you are now, that'd be awesome.
2: Thank you, Lina. My name is Ibalu Odong Pamela. I am in South Sudan currently, I am in Juba. I'm a recent graduate from Makere University in Kampala. Uh, That is when and where I got to uh, work with refugees. I am a refugee myself. I specifically was working with refugees in Kiryadongo Refugee Settlement. Those are South Sudanese refugees in Uganda, Uh, Kiryadongo Refugee Settlement, where I did uh, volunteering activities and uh, interns and also actual, actual work with them. Being a refugee myself, I've always felt the passion and the need to give back to a community where I'm from. It's actually my first time in Juba, all this while I've been living in Uganda as a refugee. So I just came back to you know experience how life is back
0: home. Yeah. Thank you so much. It sounds like the work you do is really interesting and important. Um, I'd like to ask next, what would you say are the primary challenges facing refugees in South Sudan? And then also, could you just give us your take on how these challenges are different for women? The first
2: challenge for me would be uh, education, being someone who has been focusing on education and it connects to the second question, where you're telling me uh, how it, it, it affects women because I've been majorly concentrating on girl-child education. So education in as a refugee is not easy. It's not easy, this is based on experience actually, because there are a lot of um, limitations you're limited a lot when it comes to access you know access to good quality education uh, you can access education you can access schools that is not hard but to get the good quality education is the problem especially for girls um you know our south sudan community has a percep a, there's a way they just you know they look at girls and education it's it's not many women that get the chance to study right now things are a little bit changing and we are seeing a lot of women you know going to school and all that but before that it was not like that and some of those you know beliefs are rooted in culture and they're still there until now so education is still a big challenge because you don't get to find you know, a lot of girls in schools, in the refugee camps, because they are expected to be at home, working, doing domestic chores. Uh, the, the the argument is that if you go to school, who's going to do the house chores? Who's going to go to the garden? Who's going to feed the house? So right. the boy child gets, gets um, the chance to go to school because there's nothing is doing at home and the girl has a lot of domestic responsibilities. So you do not have the chance to go to school. So it's, it's still a challenge because when you look at the enrollment of girls in schools, that is basically what I used to do. It's almost, you know, like it's always dropping. It's always dropping. There are few girls in school as much as, um, a lot of, um, organizations are coming up and things are being done, I I still believe it's a challenge and it still needs to be addressed. I hope that also answers the question of of how it affects the women.
0: Yes, it does. Thank you very Mm -hmm. much. I'd like to to follow up with asking you, for those women that do, do attend school, I know there aren't many, but how are circumstances different for them? Is it is it a matter of social class hierarchy or is it just more money? Um, just if you could elaborate on that a bit, please.
2: At this point, I think it's just luck. <laughs> I actually genuinely think it's just luck because you you find um, girls from very, not really very, very, but uh, families that can afford education, but they are not the The family is not ready to, you know, uh, walk her through that journey. So it no longer focuses on whether you can afford or not. It now focuses on your family because of the cultural, um, the cultural beliefs, you know. So it ends up being just not about the the money. And then also there's that monetary factor because being a refugee money is really the problem. You know, money is a big problem. It's one of the major challenges. People are going through poverty, abject poverty and all that. So it's not easy to access because quality education is expensive, first of all. For example, as a refugee in the camp, the good schools were, I can just say way out of our league because they were very expensive. And even the, the, the host communities where we were, only a few of of their children would be in such schools. So the only schools that you can access are, you know, the, the schools that are supported by UNHCR or Window Trust International, for example, and all that. And these schools are not, you know, so much of quality because you're so many in class and the teachers are few and the stationary, you know, academic equipment are few and all that. So it becomes difficult.
1: And um, Ibalu, just to also follow up on that, um, what what do you think is the relationship between that um, inadequate, I'd say, um, education to the level of violence experienced by um, refugee girls and women? Because just looking at, um, an example of Kenya where um, girls who cannot access quality education are married off, um, are, are married off as teenagers, or um, experience higher sexual violence, um, gender-based violence, um, and I'm just trying to see if um, is there is is it similar to refugee women. Or what's the situation like? So what's that relationship between the, the quality to, or the access to education and, and how that affects the, the security of girls and women?
2: It's, it's 100% similar because um, when, when you're in school, there's also, there's also sexual harassment, by the way, in, in, in schools, where maybe from uh, male teachers or you know fellow students and and there's also early marriages and things like that whereby you're not let me just tell you a short story of a friend of mine that uh, was about to be married off because they felt like her family felt like she had reached a level of education that was enough you know in our societies there's something as enough education. They feel like you reach a point, uh, let's say, after secondary school, senior four, and and your family feels like that's enough for a girl. You're, you're a girl and that's enough. There's no need to continue because you're supposed to be married off. So I don't know if this answers your question, but I think I can relate to that. There's that, you know, post-marriage, early marriage that can hinder your academic
1: journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That answers it. Thank you. Um, and how has uh, COVID-19 impacted the lives of refugees in South Sudan? Negatively,
2: to it's it's negative because uh, a lot of schools closed due to COVID-19. I think for for about a year or more, I, I was actually affected by that as well. Uh, schools closed, uh, not access schools and so, many people stayed home, many girls were home, many boys were home, both girls and boys, many students. And because of that, a lot of girls were married off, got pregnant. A lot of time, people were going back to school when schools were reopened. Many, many girls were dropping out because they were pregnant. I, I remember seeing with the newspaper actually, uh, a line of girls senior three girls a, a line of them who are pregnant they were put to make you know one line on one side so that that's how bad things got and i think it was the same in kenya cuz i had something yes. like that in kenya as well and uganda yes and mm-hmm. yeah you know being at being at home you are exposed to a lot of when when kids are at school it makes it it makes it easier because you're not exposed to a lot of, you know, maybe men that might want to take advantage of you and, and you know, things like that. So when you're out of school, you get very much exposed to this. And yeah. I think that's what led to, to you know, a, a lot of people being pregnant. And it's still happening because... Mm -hmm. uh, schools are partially opened they are not really fully open they are partially open they are open for some classes while some classes are not yet open for I think the candidate classes are those that are uh, in school so it's still happening
1: yeah and just uh, looking at it because um, many students also access food in school and when, yeah. When, yeah, when, yeah. when the pandemic hit, I think, um, yeah, that was a, a very big challenge. But also yeah. just looking at it um, in terms of maybe the unique challenges facing um, refugees in this crisis would be that um, I don't know what the situation is like, and maybe you can tell us more. Um, is it even possible to socially distance in refugee camps can can refugees um, afford to stay at home uh, just the basic containment measures of the of the pandemic itself is 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 it possible for refugees and how have they uh, been going about it
2: well as as much as there are sops and you know measures to curb the virus to me, I, I feel like a lot of people are not following the SOPs because people have to survive. Most refugees, are, you know, they, they survive on hand to mouth. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that's it's, very it,
2: true. Yeah, you working that day. The the Mm -hmm. money you get that day, the wage you get that day is what you're going to use at home for your family to buy food and take. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow is another day and it will be the same thing. So imagine a lot of things being closed, a lot of businesses being closed and someone is not able to access this. Like for example, transportation, transportation costs, being reduced and then um, transport also being closed, you're not allowed to move. And then they have to, the person maybe is like a driver for a taxi or a conductor and you cannot get money for that day to feed your family. So there's a, there's an increased poverty, an increased level of poverty clearly. And it, it's it's very clear and there's a lot of there are a lot of people suffering. Recently, I was going to work and we found a three-year-old child, around three years, selling uh, brown nuts, brown nuts on the road because they have to survive. So we asked her, you, "You're too young." It was around seven a.m. You're too young. What are you doing with this with, with this uh, brown nuts on the road? And she, was, she was a refugee, and she said that she had to to sell them all that day. Otherwise, they wouldn't eat. So I, I asked her how old she was. She told me she was four. And I asked her whether she goes to school. And she said, I stopped going to school last year. And I asked her why. And she said, because there's no money. My father lost his job. So I believe this is what is going on. Many many families,
0: not just
1: hers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's really quite unfortunate, actually, because um, it 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 really leaves the child very vulnerable. But at the same time, looking at at why the child is is doing that in the first place, it's like you said, uh, just trying to survive and um. Uh, yeah so um what what support exists for refugees women in particular um on the ground in 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 south sudan what what um or would it be what support exists for refugees women in particular on the ground in uganda because you you say that you're working in the refugee settlements in uganda
2: right now they're there are some things that have been put in place to help women like uh there's, there's some kind of income that is gotten every family gets from unhcr monthly to to help them and there are also scholarships and the scholarships are still going on to you know help with education i am i am i was a beneficiary of a scholarship and they are still there So at least those are helping, even though that times are hard. uh, Some people are still at least managing to study and others also still managing to eat. And then there's the monthly food distribution that is also going on from uh, WFP. Yeah, so there's that. And then there's the money coming from UNHCR. There's there's a little support coming in here and there and... People are trying to,
0: you know, make it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to know: Is there anything in terms of medical support, um, especially now facing COVID nineteen? Apart from the free COVID nineteen
2: vaccine, there is nothing else that I've seen medically that is, be, like, that is being given to refugees. The COVID-19 vaccine is free to everyone. So that's, that's where refugees come in. Refugees host communities, whoever is around, like the COVID-19 is, is free for everyone. But then there's nothing specifically that is given to refugees like, that is different. It's the way it used to be because like let's say the refugee camps, there are are refugee hospitals that all refugees are supposed to access freely and they are still in place. There are also, yeah, there are are health facilities that you can access and there are also health organizations that you can report to in case of a health issue or emergency and then they will help you. Those are there, they were there before and they are still there but uh, there's nothing else that I've seen being done differently apart from the COVID-19 vaccine, yeah.
0: Thank you, Evalu. I would like to
2: send a message to my fellow refugees. I I know that it's not easy being a refugee. I've been a refugee from a very young age, and I I actually think I've got used to being one And I know things are not easy while you're at the camps or even in the city because there are urban refugees and all that, things are not easy. uh, Every day you wake up, you are fighting. Every day you wake wake up, you're struggling uh, to beat odds, but you'll make it, time will come and you'll make it. Just keep working hard. Uh, keep working to bring peace to your communities because it starts with you. For you to get peace in South Sudan or in any other country, for you to come back home to a peaceful country, it starts with you. So try to associate with everyone, be everyone's friend. Don't don't um, don't don't select people like these are the people I should be with. This talk to everyone, get to network because it's a way of networking and exchanging ideas so that you build yourself and come back home
0: and make a difference. That's
2: all I have for you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. much. Well, Ibalu, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story and your work with us. Uh, We both really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to share with you a little about my experience. Uh, Yeah, and I hope you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you.